Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of the Tarot Coloring Book and the co-author of Tarot for Troubled Times. And I'm also your host for this podcast series. This is episode 128 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I just shout short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is face-up tarot cards. And I'm speaking with the one and only Mary Greer. Welcome, Mary. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this. This is such an interesting topic. So I want to talk about the the first time I was introduced to the whole concept of face-up tarot cards was actually your book, uh, Tarot for Yourself. And I had never, ever thought about doing that. I mean, you know, I always like to say I'm an old school reader. It's just like shuffle, whatever comes up. And this kind of blew my mind. And so I want to know, how did you come up with this concept of pulling cards face up? I mean, why would someone do that? It was actually a whole evolution of things. The very first one was the first time I taught a tarot class um, at a university in Florida. Uh, right after that, I was uh, asked to be interviewed by the paper. Uh, and so when I went in to talk to them, of course, I was very nervous. And I knew they would ask about cards. So I had arranged cards that I could lay out in a Celtic cross spread um, because they were going to take photos and everything that were the exact spread I would love to have if they saw me perfectly, <laughs> if they really appreciated everything I did, if you know they saw this you know, wonderful person, perfect depth. Basically, it's a magic spread. And so I had that laid out for the whole first part. And then the second part, I did a couple of readings that uh, just happened to totally blow them away. So it ended up being a um, full page, double page spread in the uh, newspaper in their Sunday magazine. And the next class I taught ended up with 60 people. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. And that was back in 1970. Three or four, seventy-three, I think, in Orlando, Florida. Yeah, that was way before so, I even yeah. got my hands on tarot. So long time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that was, um, you know, the kind of the first step, picking the cards out deliberately, and I've used that over the years for magic spreads. I find when something is working, the cards just fall right into place. It's like I don't even have to think about it. When I try to do magic spread on something that's just not happening, it's like I really struggle trying to find the cards, even though it's a simple concept. Um, I did it twice for my daughter looking for apartments in San Francisco. First time it went perfectly beautiful and out of several hundred people, she got the apartment. Second time I kept trying to do the same thing and it just wasn't working. So, you know, even when you're choosing face up, if you're trying to choose wrong or something's not in the in the cards, <laughs> literally, um, so to speak, that it doesn't quite work. So how you are your own personal state, your clarity of mind or your developing clarity is going to come up in the in this. Um, then, of course, I um, and probably actually a little before this, um, I had gotten into the Golden Dawn astrology correspondences and laid out my 
uh, chart in cards. And that kind of put me on the line along with the three rows of seven that Paul Foster Case did of meditation layouts. So uh, laying out usually the major arcana in different patterns. Mm-hmm. So that's face up. And, you know, a lemnus skate is one of my very favorite ones where you lay the 22 cards out in that lazy eight and look at the relationships um, among them. But there's tens of them in my book, Tarot for Yourself. So um, then I got into actually as I was writing Tarot for Yourself. So much of it was about journal yes. uh, writing. And in journal writing, you're exploring these different aspects of yourself. So I got into picturing these different aspects of myself deliberately in the cards. And that's really the core of, um, I think, what the face separating is about. Because when you do that, you can explore, like one of the things in the book is um, exploring what prosperity means to you. You start out with some concept, oh, I'm going to get so much per year, or I will win the lottery, or you know, whatever it is. But if you start laying out cards that describe prosperity to you, everybody I've ever seen ends up with a completely different focus than that. And prosperity ends up being much more about home, family, relationships, um, interactions, things that are pleasing to you. And so if you go to spend a couple of hours doing this, I mean, you can do it shorter, but if you really get into it, then you end up with what I would call prosperity mandala, where you take the most significant cards and you put them into a pattern. And now you can photograph it easily. Uh, you can you know, lay it out for a while while you're working on it. So um, it, that becomes a magic spread in a sense that prosperity mandala, but the process of going through and defining it from a lot of different points of view. And that's what I do in in Tarot for Yourself is I've got a lot of questions you answer to pick out cards. I think that's, yeah, so brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, how do you kind of guide somebody into really exploring the deeper aspects of anything? So you can do that with what kind of relationship do you want to have? What do you want to have be in that relationship? You can do that with uh, what does success mean? Um, Pretty much anything you can imagine. Right on. And, you know, I can think right off the bat, you know, when I start thinking about prosperity, uh, one of the cards for me would always be the Ten of Pentacles. Because that shows all those coins, those people in a nice house, everyone's hanging out, they're having a great time, nobody looks stressed. So that would be the card that I would pick for prosperity. Yeah. So that would be perhaps your central one at the center, and then what you want to build around it, and by looking at different questions or aspects of prosperity. Um, Also, what prosperity isn't. Mm Mm-hmm picking out several cards for that, and then ways to um, handle or deal with those kinds of times. Because a lot of times we learn as much from what something isn't than from what it is. Uh So, um, you know, learning to ask questions 
that will take you into a lot of different aspects of an issue is a good part of building what would eventually become, um, some people call them life maps, uh-huh. um, or the ma- mandalas, um, whatever it is you want to call it, but some kind of picture of what you want. And for some of them, I think that it's important to put in some of the blocks, some of the problems, and then the choices you make to overcome them, to bridge those. And so that becomes an exciting thing in its own right, because it's more about facing reality, facing life, Uh not just picturing everything as you would ideally like it to be, also acknowledging the realities. I like what you said about it, that about picturing life, because I think oftentimes, you know, when we're doing tarot readings and just doing it the standard way, a lot of people have the misconception that life is just happening to you. And picking the cards face up, it really helps you to face what's going on, to think about what's going on, and to take responsibility for your life. Exactly. And from there, it's much easier to kind of plot a direction you want to go. Yes. When you haven't really acknowledged where you are, what you're actually dealing with, you're always dealing in this fantasy realm. And often there's a huge gap between where you are now and where you want to be. And so for me, the the lesson of reading the cards is to realize the the depth of the fact that, you know, situations are going to change. Right. Um, someone who was making a huge change in her life was uh, came for a reading, and this was not face up, but it's just the issue. Um, and when we we looked at her very near future, which was stepping off into new directions, and then she wanted to know, well, what will happen in the next couple of months? So I pulled a card for that, and it was the Nine of Swords. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and I said, let's pull one more, and it was the Ace of Pentacles. And so we drew two more for that kind of immediate future looking underneath. And it was a similar thing, the Three of Swords and the Two of Cups. So what it was obvious that was going on is that if she makes this big change, there's going to be moments of despair and depression and things not working and thinking it's not going anywhere. But to persevere through that, and we had a basic timeline, mm-hmm. you know, up to about six months. And then after that, things would shift and change and to not give in to despair at those moments and so when you're building a map to take that into account when you're picking the face up what's the most likely obstacle and how are you going to deal with it that becomes so important Yes, it's really rich, actually. It it creates a tapestry in the reading, but also a very useful tool then for people. You know, one of the exercises you had in the book that I found really interesting uh, was uh, where I saw the uh, face of terror was about dealing with depression. And you suggest pulling a card to represent how you're feeling. And the example that you used was the Ten of Swords. So let's say I pull that, and that's the card that I choose. Well, What do I do from there? Ah, first of all, acknowledge it. (laughs) Really get into it (laughs) and really get that sense of why, you know, face up, you pick that and what it's saying about yourself. And if you need to cry or struggle, lay down on the floor, beat your hands (laughs) and feet against the floor. (laughs) Um, I'm very much into, you know, really getting into what your feeling is. 
then you start going, um, well, there's lots of different directions, but part of it is um, going, well, what do you want to do next? Mm -hmm. If you're feeling really low and depressed about it because of an interaction, it may be that you've got something that you want to say to somebody. Um, One that I did where I was really depressed and um, after a huge fight, um, I first expressed my feeling, and then I got into what I wanted to do to my partner. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, so picking cards that would really express the hurt and anger. And that's actually when I used the Ten of Swords. (laughs) Yeah. So I got out. I, I really got to express what in that state I wanted to do, but do it vicariously. It's not going to hurt anybody. And after that, there was kind of a lightning mm-hmm. and a sense of, but, you know, so what? Now what? <laughs> Where do I go from there? And so um, from there, you start building a path mm-hmm. to where you want to go. And that actually became one of my favorite processes in the whole book is starting out with your depression, really exploring that, get, dealing with whatever seems to be uh, outer issues, um, you know, just your raw reaction to them, and then starting to move out of that morass. And somewhere along the line, you get to a point where you realize you need to know where you're going. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, when that kind of comes up and you start looking around, you know, where to, then you look through the cards for your goal. And usually I try to narrow these cards down to one to three of them. You don't have to stay within that. But if you lim- if you tell yourself one to three, it sort of hones that. And I do want to say something about picking the cards, but first let me finish this. Um, so uh, you pick your goal uh, and maybe a couple of cards that lead up to it. Some of the cards that you rejected as your final cards become the steps to that, the most immediate steps. Now you have to fill in the intermediate. And that can sometimes take half your deck. Or it could be four or five cards, including, as I said before, what some of those uh, obstacles and problems can be and ways to bridge those. And I actually lay them as a bridge. That's where you can use that crossing idea of laying two cards across each other. So, um, but you can do it whatever whatever comes to you in that moment is really what's most important. Where do you want to go? What do you want to look at next? Do you want to bring in friends? You know, what cards would represent the people you want to talk to? Whatever is in your urge, try to feel it and follow it with the cards. And actually, if you do a whole path like that, it is magic. Every time I've done that or worked with somebody else to do that. Something has shifted radically before they even act. Like you finish it, you walk out the door, and suddenly somebody greets you and things have changed. Now, for something like this, would you have to do it in person or could you do a face-up reading with somebody maybe over the phone? Uh, I haven't tried doing it over the phone. 
um, you could definitely do a face-up reading over the um, phone. Uh, I like to, when I work on the phone, I have the same deck as the person themselves is using. So we're both looking at the cards or with Skype, you can actually hold them up if you need to. But it's better if the other person does have the deck that they can physically go through. And let me explain for a minute how I yes. find the best way of going through the cards. And that is that whenever you're looking at something like, let's say you just want to um, know you're, you're really depressed mm -hmm. or that's how you're identifying what you're experiencing. And so go through the cards as fast as you can and make two piles. One is all the possible cards of what you're feeling. And the other one is the cards that you're not feeling. Those are definitely out. And whenever you hesitate for even a second over a card, put it in the possible pile. So you're going through super fast and just kind of glancing and getting a feel for the cards. Then you take that pile of possibility because it's only taken you, you know, two, three minutes to go through. And you go through those and you start narrowing it down. And you do that two or three times until you end up, depending on the situation, you might end up with only three cards, but sometimes you end up with 10 or 12 cards. At that point, I often lay them all out in front of me and go through and say this more than that. Um, you know, I have felt like that, but that's not right now. You know, and all these things that allow me to focus more closely, more tightly in. And that's how I keep narrowing it down. Also, a good question to ask at the very end when you end up with, say, three or five cards, is which cards lead up to another? Mm -hmm. Wanting to ultimately get to the real root of it, which often can be two or three cards that you, it can't be expressed in one. Sometimes more. So um, let me ask you this. You also mentioned about using face-up cards to get things in perspective for your day. So I'm a planner by nature. I totally love that. Sorry, there's a bell going off in the background there. Um, so this really appeals to me. Tell me about choosing a card deliberately to get things in perspective. Well, that's pretty straightforward and easy because you simply... Um, well, when you say get things into perspective, it really depends on what your your focus is. If it's um, how you want to get something accomplished, then it's a card for, you know, what you want to accomplish in the next hour or two. If it's um, you're working on a project, then it could be your project goal. If it's just, um, oh, uh, if it's a relationship to some a particular person then you would want to focus on that because there there still has to be, um, I mean, you could go through and say which card just feels like today mm -hmm. or what I would like Tara today to be. So each of those things is a really a little different. And that's what one of the exciting things is um, face-up cards for relationships is really amazing too. You know, um, you've um, you want to talk to somebody that day. I didn't do it for you. I should have. Yeah. Um, you know, picking a face up card for, um, you know, what I would want to have come out of our conversation.
Mm. Or how I want to relate to you or how I would like you ideally to relate to me. Because there is that magic factor that when you really see something and see it, it, it also changes me. If I pick a card for how I want you to relate to me, I'm going to automatically re- relate back to you in that way. So it's, like, a way setting it, it's like setting an intention then. Yes. Yeah. So what about, you know, I've heard people using tarot for magic. You know, like to in magic spells and stuff. In fact, I talked to Madame Pamita about that. Um, obviously, picking a face of card would be really wise then if you are trying to create some kind of a magical effect in your life. Exactly. And you can always do a mix, both with regular spreads, but also with magic spreads. Mm-hmm. Is uh, do a, a combination. Like for a magic spread, it sometimes is good to do a regular face down spread to sort of get a sense is this the right thing to do? Is there something you need to take into account? Then when you get permission, in a sense, and a, a, a perhaps a um, something you hadn't really thought of from that, then you go in and you pick your cards Mm -hmm. for what you want to create. But with more of a sense of, yes, I got to go ahead to do this, or maybe it really isn't the right time to do this. You're going to make some, you know, goof ups. So that random element is kind of a nice thing to to mix in there. But then um, you select your cards and lay them out. I like using um, a layout pattern that I'm really familiar with because then I know at a glance exactly what it's saying. And you can always mix the ones that you um, know you want to have in particular places with places that you want magic, randomness, uh, the moment to come through. Okay. So um, I'm not sure if that's what you were getting at. but <laughs> Oh, no, that answers it totally. You know, I, so one of the questions I have for you, what if you have, now here's my Libra rising, what if you have trouble deciding which card might represent a situation? Let's say we're talking about, again, depression, and I'm looking at the Ten of Swords, I'm looking at the Three of Swords, and maybe I'm looking at that, you know, Five of Cups, and I'm like, I can't decide. What then? Well, I would keep all of them. If, uh-huh. if you're really in a place where you can't decide... And then look at each one of those and what they're saying, because we all have different aspects in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's the the little kid who's crying, beating their fist. And there's the adult who's saying, OK, I can handle this, even though I hate it. <laughs> and, there, you know, there's all these different sides of yourself. So those might be expressing the different parts of yourself. And what happens in a lot of depression and actually all our emotional experiences is that there is this mix of different parts of ourselves that are responding. Mm -hmm. And there's the one that we're more conscious of, but that way you get in touch with the ones you're less conscious of. So, um, you know, you don't want to end up with 12 and try to deal with that. So that's why I tend to limit it to one to three, um, just to get people to focus in. That makes sense. So, you know, one of the ways that I use face-up cards in my own tarot practice is, so let's say I do a reading for somebody, and we get one card in the reading that doesn't make sense, or maybe it's kind of bugging the client. So what I like to do then is pull it out of the deck and set it aside, and then I do a reading around that card. 
And, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's like we've deliberately taken it, we've chosen it. Now let's see, what does this card mean? Are there other ways that you might recommend for people to work with face-up cards? Um, Well, I I did bring out a spread that I got 20 years ago. It actually came from a guy in, in Canada, James Rio. I always try to mention his name. It's called the spread of changes. And to me, it's kind of a model of a really interesting way to use face up cards in a spread. And so the spread of changes basically has the change itself as a center card. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then on the left, you have your pre-change state attitudes, opinions, and one more card on the, uh, which is a past event or influence or root cause of that pre-change state attitude opinions. And then to the right of the change is the change state attitudes and opinions. And then one more card, the result of that change. So you've got five cards and uh, the, the really innovative thing he did 20 years ago about this was that he said, pick one of these positions and choose the card face up. So you may know what the change is that you're going through right now. So you pick that. Or you may know um, <clears throat> what you were in previously, the, the state that you were in, and now you feel like something's shifting, but you're not quite sure what it is, and you want to see what else is going on. Or maybe you're looking at a past event or a root cause, and you want to go, you know, okay, I know this root cause, but how did that change my life? So you can, and then in the future, you can look at the result you want mm, and what's wow. needed to get there. So you pick one of those positions and you go through the deck and you find a card that epitomizes that. And then the other cards are random. So you can do that with any spread that you want is pick one or two or more positions that will be upright and then the rest of the positions that will um, I don't mean upright, face up. <laughs> I try not to get those words mixed up. <laughs> you pick them face up and then the other cards face down. And that is, um, it's taking part of your fate into your own hands. Mm-hmm. It's acknowledging that you are a player and it that you have a handle on something that you or you can create something that you want or you can look into past influences or you know depending on whether you choose cards in the past present future yeah i i just think it's a really really rich way to work i think it's a smart way to work too because you know there are many people when they come for a reading they just assume again that life happens to them and using methods like this is really helping people to recognize that, hey, you've got a hand in your fate. You're yes. at the driver's seat. It's not life just happening to you. You have a choice in the matter. So I think that this is really empowering. Yes. I do want to mention one other thing about magic spreads. Um, this happened many years ago where um, Rachel Pollock and I were teaching a magic and tarot class in upstate New York, and they had been in a drought for a couple of years. And there was a prediction of rain. And this was at a place where um, the optimum place to teach the class was out on this beautiful patio porch. And otherwise, we were going to be in a very stuffy kind of closed inner inner room. And so people were going, well, we really need rain, but 
you know, if it rains, we're going to have to be inside. What are we going to do? So for the very first um, process that evening, we did a magic spread about what are we going to do about the rain? So we had uh, several different decks, uh, probably about 10 different decks, and there were about 12 or 15 people. And what we did was a whole ritual where the center part of it was people pulling cards face up from these different decks to express what they wanted the next day to be. And everybody started out with, you know, the sun card and all these bright, shiny cards. And we kept going on and going deeper and deeper. And I said, you know, we're not stopping here. Go deeper into yourself. What does it feel like? So we were all going deeper and deeper into us and nature. And we started getting more and more into nature because this was in a beautiful outdoor place. So more responding to nature. By the time we finished all the cards on the top, we're really about being in harmony with something. The next, well, it rained a little bit that night. And when we got up, the patio was uh, pretty damp. We went into breakfast, but the sun came out and it burned off all the um, rain. And so we were able to have class without even any delay outside. Um, then when it was getting timed for lunch, it started sprinkling again. And we went, oh, no, we're going to have to do the afternoon inside. Well, at least we had the morning. You know, our spell worked at least for us part way. So it, it ended up just sprinkling enough to dampen the porch. And the sun came out and dried up by the time we'd finished washing the dishes and taking our break. And we went out and did class outside. And then it rained again that night and was all clear the next day and sunny and bright. And everybody's going around going, what happened? Because the timing was just so precise with our regularly scheduled breaks. And everybody's kind of going around, what happened? But to me, that's really about magic. It's It's not just about changing things outside. It's about changing yourself. We went into the, um, to the ritual with an assumption we were going to create the day we wanted. We ended up having transformed ourselves to whatever happens, happens, and we want to be in harmony with that. It just happened naturally as we laid the cards and looked at them and said some words about them. And to me, that's really what magic is about. It's as much about you transforming in the ritual, in the process, as it is about any change you're creating outside. And ultimately, it's all about working in harmony with what is. Absolutely. You know, one of the reasons why I'm also a huge fan of astrology is because astrology shows the trends, the energy. And I always say when you learn how to work with the energy instead of pushing against it, your life becomes magical. It exactly. really it really does. So Siobhan yeah. Renee is a really brilliant tarot reader. And she had a whole series about uh, face-up tarot cards over at Little Red Tarot, uh, tarot, the Little Red Tarot blog. And she wrote this quote, which I think is so beautiful and just sums up your concept here. She said, when we draw a card face-up, consciously choosing the card, rather than pulling at random, we lie face-up to ourselves, belly-up, backs against our realities. I think that's, isn't that beautiful? 
Oh, wow. I wish I could write poetically like that. (laughs) (laughs) She's quite a good writer. But speaking of writing, um, and again, I just, I I read that quote, like, this is exactly just such a beautiful way of saying why these face up tarot, your idea here is so brilliant. Uh, But speaking of writing, let's talk about tarot for yourself. You know, tarot for yourself, it's one of the tarot Bibles for those of us who've been reading tarot for a long time. And new readers, too, they discover their way back to that book or they discover their way to that book. And it's so groundbreaking. It's changed everybody's way of working with tarot in a pretty big way. Um, And now it's coming out again. So can you tell me about the new edition? Uh, Why a new edition? You know, where can people find it? All that. Well, actually, it's with its third publisher because the previous two ceased publishing and it was picked up each time by a different publisher. I'm so grateful. So Wiser has it now. And uh, one of the uh, questions was, how much do we want to go through and revise it? Uh, Came up both times. And of course, the new publisher always creates a new layout for it. Uh, But um, when it came down in discussions to, you know, how do I update it for current people? The realization on all of our parts is even though there's aspects that are, I would consider dated okay. to some extent, to, yeah, in some cl- places to a great extent, in some places n- not at all, um, that it really needs to stand on its own, that to try and totally transform it um, might lose some of the, I don't, I don't want to say naivete, but there was a, a spontaneity in that book that is just... Um, I think is part of what appeals to people, the excitement of discovery mm-hmm. of these things and, you know, breaking all the taboos. That was one of my rules. And this is how many taboos can I, tarot taboos can I break? Um, and some of them, of course, are going to prove that, oh, that's why that taboo is there. Okay. <laughs> Actually, taboo means sacred or holy. And therefore, it was restricted to certain times and places and uh, situations. And therefore, you need to be careful around taboos and respect them highly. But that doesn't mean that you don't do what is taboo, because then you often enter into a place that is uh, restricted for very good and powerful reasons. So you can use that if you deal with it with respect. So um, anyway, a lot of the book has that kind of excitement of discovery around it. And I was afraid too many changes would start taking away from that. You know, you end up with that voice of experience saying, oh, okay, do it like this. And I found it works for over 20 years. This was more like, oh, my God, look what you can do. So um, I've got a new introduction, and we're just going to leave um, the the book primarily as it is. Um, I think for the voice, at least my my perspective is for the voice and the excitement and and that uh, sense of experimentation. Yeah, and you know, for for me, it's a classic. It's one of the books that I think belongs on every tarot reader shelf. They should have it because it's going to crack open your mind. It's going to make you look at tarot in many, many different ways. It become, I always like to say, especially for people who've been reading tarot a long time, like myself, we get into what I call bad tarot habits, where we only <laughs> see things one way. We get really hung up on this is what the death card means, or this is how you read tarot. And tarot for yourself doesn't, doesn't do that. It takes you out of those, those, um, 
how do you want to put it, your own structures or your own preferences. And it just makes you ponder tarot from so many different angles. That's what makes it so brilliant. Well, that's what I wanted to do was really to show that it is a tool for personal growth and development and creativity. And if it's if it's all about creativity, it has to be creative in its own right. And um, over and over again, you know, I said, if you don't like doing something this way, you know, do it your own way. Um, make up something that works for you. Uh, the idea is, yeah, to uh, say there's... You know, whenever you feel that sense of resistance to something, pull a card's face up to picture that resistance <laughs> and then a card down for some way to break out of that, <laughs> you know, face down. So, um, yeah, you know, do these things that are going to shake up and see where you land. It makes you a better reader. It makes you a more well-rounded reader. And like I said earlier, when I discovered Tarot for Yourself, I never thought of pulling cards face up you know I just yeah. was doing it I like to say the old school way and it really gave me new things to work with so it's just brilliant the other thing I really love about tarot for yourself I have my old copy here and I try to keep good care of this one that's got a couple I can't wait to get the new edition because it's getting destroyed but anyhow <laughs> one of the things I love in the back is the interpretations the oh, interpretation section is so good it's one of those sections you know, even though I've been reading tarot forever and a day, once in a while, you know, you kind of get your brain stuck. And it's like, let me go see what Mary Greer has to say. And I always find that I can find something new in here that maybe I haven't considered, no matter how many times I look at this book. So I love that section. Actually, there's a few people who in reviews have said, oh, the, this book, don't get this book. There's no interpretations of the cards. And I'm going, you just didn't look at the table of contents, you know? Yeah. How can you be so silly? But I didn't want to put it right at the beginning because I wanted people to approach the um, cards in kind of a fresh way. Yeah. <clears throat> so it starts out with um, just doing a free writing around looking at a card. Yeah. You know, just what comes up when you do that. But it's always there. It's there for at any point in the book that you want to look at it. Well, it's one of my favorite parts of the book. And I just think the book is great. So I uh, can't wait to get my new copy so I don't destroy this one any further. And I want to thank you for writing such a great book, Mary. Because, again, it's been a groundbreaker for so many of us. So I'm just so appreciative. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me to talk about this. It's one of the things I love to talk about, and I really appreciate everything you've said. Thank you. And where can people find you if they want to learn more about your work and get your books and all the things you're writing about? Well, I'm, uh, I have my blog. I don't have a regular website. I just do the blog thing. And, and so that's at WordPress. It's uh, just MaryKGreer.com. And you can go uh, find me on Facebook because my personal page is um, totally public. And that's Mary Kay Greer again and also Instagram. So Instagram's not as much tarot, but um, the Facebook page has um, got a lot of tarot and the blog is almost entirely tarot. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for spending time with me today to talk about Face Up Tarot Cards. Uh, and for everybody who's listening, do get a copy of Tarot for Yourself. It's coming out on Wiser. Um, it's a book that you need in your tarot library. It's going to change the way you look at tarot cards. 
And that wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. You can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free astrology and tarot lessons, the tarot coloring book, hundreds of blog posts, astrological forecasts, and lots of other good things for you to scope out. Enjoy. I want to thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a beautiful day. And hey, if you're digging this podcast, do me a favor. Head over to iTunes and leave a kind review, because that helps more tarot-curious people find their way to this little podcast. And as always, I like to close out by saying, pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day, and let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. If you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending.